Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. Today I'm joined by special guest co-host... Kirsten White! Yay! <laughs> we have two amazing guests today. We have... Hello, Brett White! That's me! Awesome. And we have writer and podcaster... Victor Kearney, that's me! Yay! <laughs> and since you're both first-time guests, um, Brett, would you like to go first and give us your Buffy origin story? Yeah, so Buffy changed my life completely, <laughs> I think is what everyone can say, probably. Yeah. Uh, so I was in eighth grade I when season two was airing, and I remember stumbling across, uh, I think it was School Hard was my first episode, okay. and it was back when Buffy used to, like, the WB would split time with WGN, and so, like, for two hours every night, it would be the WB, but the rest of the day, it was always WGN out of Chicago. And I'm oh. from Tennessee, so that's weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, I watched that, and I was deep into it by the time the season two finale aired, because uh, I remember, like, becoming part one and two, like, totally blowing my eighth grade mind. And then by <laughs> ninth grade, I was all in. Uh, I watched it all the way through the end of the run um i took a buffy course in college because it turns out that dr david lavery who like he edited i think it was slayage or no fighting the forces was like the first like literary essay like literary journal about buffy studies that was released i think in the late 90s early 2000s he edited that turns out he went he was a professor at my college <laughs> Cool. So I just lucked into cool being stuff. at the same school uh, in Middle Tennessee uh, that was the home of Buffy studies. And so I ended up taking one of the first Buffy classes. Uh, so cool. Topics and topics in literature, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> okay, but what what grade did you get? Oh, I, I passed. I got an definitely. <laughs> he wanted me to present the paper I wrote at the Buffy at Slayage, the conference, like the academic conference. Oh, wow. Because uh, the first one happened in Nashville during that course. And so we all went. It was just like people from all over the world coming to present their literary papers about Buffy. This was 2004, probably 2003, 2004. And there was like one sad person who thought it was like a convention convention and he came dressed as Spike. Oh, no. It's like, amazing. But also, this is just professors reading papers. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I love uh, Buffy. Falling in love with this show is what made me pursue like a like degree in television production, which got me to New York, et cetera, et cetera. So it really did change my life. Oh, I love that. I actually had the, the Buffy philosophy book that I think was yep. used. Yeah, because I remember being so jealous that there was a college that taught a course and I didn't go to it. <laughs> I went to Rutgers and they had a Harry Potter course, which was like also kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Victor, would you like to tell us your origin story? Yes. So I was in college. So I'm a little bit older than everybody. I was in college when Buffy um premiered so that was like a big thing for a lot of us who were watching the wb at the time i mean besides dawson there was also buffy yeah and the first episode i ever saw was the witch um and that was from season one and i love witch things anything about witches i live for and so i was watching i was like okay we can get into this i can get into this but i think buffy was coming out at a time where i had like a student government meeting or something where i always either caught it late or because something similar to what you were saying, like I was in Kentucky, so I went to school in Murray State. And so um, it was kind of, it came on twice. 
Um, so I was able to see a little bit later. So I kind of went off and on with the first season. The second season was really um, monumental to me because it was my last year in college. So therefore, oh. all the things that were happening in the second season, um, especially when Jenny Calendar was killed, that was like, okay, they are really taking it up here. And also they had Kendra, and I was really into the fact that there was a Black Slayer with a horrible Jamaican accent. But <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm really into it. I was very sad when she died. I was like, no, but she had so much more. Um, but the Becoming one and two literally was coming out when I was graduating. So it was very, it was, it was, it was kind of heartfelt because it was like, you know, everything was happening to her. And, you know, that last episode was like, wow. I mean, what would you do if you had to make that choice? Yeah. And, it was kind of weird to watch it because I think it was it was literally like I'm graduating, I'm about to move on. She was moving on, um, and so it meant a lot to me. So that was, you know, ever since then, I was just a fan. And sadly, I went to Georgia. I went to uh, Statesboro, Georgia. One half town had cable, and one half did. And I was a hall director there, a graduate hall director there for a little bit. So I couldn't even see season three. I had to like run over to another dorm to watch parts of season three. Uh, ever since then, I was just stuck on it. And another funny thing about this is uh, when I moved to Ithaca, New York, I worked at Cornell. Um, for some reason, they didn't have... Um, well, I think Buffy switched over to um, the other channel. Oh, UPN, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have it. So I had to literally order tapes from ebay of <laughs> and season seven just because i could not we didn't have the channel so i had to literally order those videos to watch it <laughs> listen that's pretty good especially for back then i don't think i would have known to be like order them i remember i had like whatever they would put out like season vhs's but it only had like yeah. five episodes yeah yeah and yeah. those like i remember having those and like cherishing those but being like upset that it was only like you know five episodes so i didn't get the whole season um when the show went over to fx and got syndicated i recorded every single episode on vhs tapes (laughs) and i made custom like labels for all of them with like a picture (laughs) from that season and like the names of the episodes and so for actually for season seven i think in my buffy class the season seven blu-ray hadn't come or the dvd hadn't come out yet so my teacher was like, can I borrow your VHS tape of like the series finale? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told the story before, but I had a professor and she was queer and she taught um, like media studies. I don't remember the like title of the class, um, but it was something in the realm of media studies. And it was like presenting things that have like been done really well in media. And so I did a presentation on uh, Willow and Tara and I used my VHS of the body and, like, the scene where they're crying and they kiss. And my teacher was like, I don't know they had lesbians on this show. I might watch. <laughs> and I was, like, so excited because she started watching Buffy because she saw there were, like, queer women on the show and she didn't know. So I was always jealous I didn't have a class to take because I always saw that there was one. But I would try to sneak it in as much as I could in undergrad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we're here to discuss season five into the woods, which is Riley's last episode as a main cast member. Um, and I think it's kind of a bleak episode in general, right? Uh Yeah. Uh Yeah, It's downer. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) 
I was rewatching it this afternoon. And I was like, man, there's like no like up like the only parts that are like fun are the Anya like in the magic box moments. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that this episode has I think two of my all time favorite Anya quotes. Just like that, Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal. And yeah. have a nice day. Don't get killed. <laughs> like, when she, especially when she's talking to Willow. <laughs> that was just... Thank you for taking the time to come in on your busy day. Well, and I love that, like... she. You're right. She is throwing shade. And she almost is doing it. But she's doing it not even quite realizing that she that's what she's doing. She's just being completely yeah. honest. <laughs> um. So the episode begins with a very heavy opening where they're all in the hospital waiting. And I mean, I think this group does it really well. The, I mean, they all, like, even just Willow and Xander sitting next to each other and she's asking him what time it is. And he's like, there's a clock right there. And she's like, but you have one on your arm. Um, I think Allison Hannigan does some really, she always does really great friend moments. Like, I think her acting lends itself to almost yeah. like the same kind of sweet tenderness that Amber Benson does. Where, like, mm-hmm. you enjoy watching her just be friends with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this scene does it really well. Also, I didn't realize this. So, Buffy's wearing the same top she wore in the last, like, three episodes. So, these are all supposed to be, like, taking place one right after the other. Which I hadn't quite realized, but I guess that makes oh. sense. Yeah. Because the mom's going is, in. <laughs> is Willow wearing the exact same <clears throat> velvet corset, denim skirt, and like weird purple tie-dyed top <laughs> in the last two episodes too? I don't <laughs> think so. Because that's what I noted. I was like, that is an intense look for this hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's like some cute little sweater thingy, I, I want to say. Um, yeah, I... So... We get that, that, you know, and it's, I mean, all of the Joyce stuff, they do a good job of tricking you into thinking, look, it will be okay, even though it's mm-hmm. not. Um, yeah. And I feel like, especially like us who have all clearly seen it a bunch of times, it's like makes it more sad because it's like, no, don't, don't celebrate this because nothing good is happening. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote down that this feels like a weird like test run for the body, just the cold open of this episode, mm-hmm. because it's very quiet. Yeah. There's all these really small human moments in it. Uh, and then also even when the doctor came up and was giving her the rundown, I kept waiting to hear the um, like the voiceover of like, I'm telling you this, so yeah. that you'll feel happy. But I'm like, no, 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 that's yeah. from the body, right? That's not from this yeah. episode. <laughs> so it's like, it felt like they were really testing out the waters for what was going to become the... Saddest moment in television history. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, very true. Uh-huh. I do love the group dynamics of this scene, too, when they get the good news. And Riley, you can see, like, his physicality is very good in this show. I, yeah. I do not like Riley at uh, all. But I will say, like, he he plays this really well because when they get the good news, he gets ready for Buffy to hug him, and she turns and hugs Dawn first. And he has this look on yeah. his face like, Oh, which of course he's gonna hug her sister first. It's their mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 his sort of like oh it it was very subtle but it was really well done. Yeah, I, I do think Mark think... just does that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I saw this episode, I realized how lost he really was. He really yeah. wanted to be a part of everything, and just I feel like he was always trying so hard. I think why I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like him because he was trying to to belong because he was he came from a group that everybody 
know, very tight, and they supported each other, and they were like brothers and what have you. And he but, left that group. He like gave yeah. them up for this group that now is kind of like lukewarm on him. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that's what's bothering him is because he really wants to be not only in, but also wanted to be looked at as a leader too. Because he keeps saying yeah. to Buffy how that he wanted her to come to him, and he wanted to do this, and he wanted to be the savior. And I think that was just a hard transition for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I do always say that I feel like of her boyfriends, he does. I mean, at this point, he's not trying anymore, but there was a point when I do think he wanted to try to be able to be okay with whatever, like, masculinity bullshit he has going on where he can't. Yeah. And I mean, Buffy says it flat out later in the episode, you can't handle that I'm stronger than you. I think we see him trying to be okay with it, but I don't think, I I just don't think that, I think the writing team kind of knew Riley wasn't working. So I think they gave up on trying to make us like him. Mm-hmm. a few episodes into the season. Like, I, I always wonder what the conversation was with Mark Blutus. If it was like, you are temporary, Buffy's not going to really like you that much. Meh, we're not going to... Because, you know, I, I he's not interesting once he's being bit by vampires. Uh, yeah. For me, then I just don't... Like, then I don't care and I understand why she wants to not bother with him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, that the whole arc of him making her mother's illness and her personal emergencies about his feelings. Just right. I think it was well done because you get it, but also it's awful. Yeah. So so you can see like, it's not one of those things where it feels really forced, but it is totally like, I feel like it's very, um, it's understandable from both ends. Like he wants her to need him. She needs to take care of things and he's not part of that. And so he makes it about himself, which is a very like human understandable thing to do yeah. and also awful. Yeah. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like their way of edging him out. I felt like it was really well done, but again, I don't like him. So <laughs> I don't with it. it was also really surprising too watching this when it originally aired, because like nowadays we are all so aware of like, Oh, this actor's coming on for a right. recurring yeah. role or we know, mm-hmm. or I remember yeah. like this being a complete shock. And then the fact that next week he is removed from the opening credits is like, Oh wow. Because yeah. this is this is like episode ten of season five. Yeah. I just looked it up to yeah, like this is not even like the mid season. Well, I guess this was actually the mid season finale because this is a Christmas episode. Yeah, but they also did not advertise things as mid season finales back in. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> was two thousand? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it did come out of nowhere. Because uh, I I also do kind of think that like my hot take is Riley is the best of all her boyfriends, but that mostly speaks to how bad oh, her <laughs> other boy. like i guess angel is kind of the best one but then i as an adult i now realize oh he was he was bitten when he was well over 18 also and he was yeah. sleeping with this 16 year old yeah <laughs> like no it's real fucked up yeah. <laughs> in yeah. retrospect oh yeah team me remembered that romance the buffy and angel romance being so just like deep and romantic. And then when I rewatched recently as an adult, I was like, oh, they've had like two actual conversations and suddenly they're soulmates. <laughs> yeah. And now that I have a teenage daughter, I'm like, not cool. Mm-hmm. No. Do you want her to date a 275-year-old, sometimes supervillain? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that is my, that's why I had children, actually. <laughs> someday they would have just bafflingly inappropriate relationships. <laughs> That's the dream, but, uh, right? Yeah. 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 You know what? I do agree that 
Riley is probably the most stable option, but I still hate him. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. people, people, and because I, you know, because I am writing in the Buffyverse, I get a lot of questions of who I ship Buffy with, and my answer is always the same. Long-term financial stability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or even, like, I mean, the show even ended up saying, like, they the show ships Buffy with herself, because the series yes. finale is like, I need to focus yep. on me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because yep. I make bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do have to say in the comics, and I know this is like a, this might be like a bad hot take or just a hot take. Uh, in the comics, they have sold me on Spike and Buffy. Like I, they've matured their romance. He yeah. is stable and has his yeah. soul. I, I do like them together. In the I will say like for an ending for the show where it ends, I mean, I think you're right, Brett. It's like they show you that like she needs to like do her for a while. Like just do her mm-hmm. own shit. Um, I think the comics have like done a good job of maturing those characters so that I actually do like half of me is like, I don't want any more romance triangle. I'm good with them being a stable couple in the comics. Yeah. You know, like for I me, that's that. like fine. Yeah. I will say that, you know, I'm again, I know people did not like Riley, but I, I kind of liked him because I always felt that he was a stable person, even in that universe in the sense mm-hmm. of who is willing to do what he can. They all were, all of the guys were willing to do everything that they can, but he was really willing to really put himself out there. I just feel like, I, I, I don't think it's funny. Cause I think I remember people saying they didn't like him. So I think Joss had to figure out what to do with him. Cause people did not like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel like he was her rock. If she would have really utilized him the best way, I think he would have been somebody very, very, real to her if she would have realized that but i also realized in this episode that she he was just something out of convenience if anything yeah yeah i yeah i I think it's an interesting dynamic too to watch play out because you don't see that very often and they did try and bring in the betrayal angle to make it more dramatic that you know the the whole letting the empire suck on him thing uh (laughs) which is crazy yeah right that's Um, but I think it was really interesting to see this dynamic of she does like him and she cares about him, but he is so much more all in than she is. And they both know it and they both have to finally face it in this episode. And that's not that's not something that you see play out realistically on television very often. So yes. it is a, I do like that they kind of went there with this. Um, which is why I always don't like that she chased anyway. As a, well, we're <laughs> skipping to the end. I'm not going to do that. We're not at them. But yeah, like I do like that, you know, those sort of uneven relationship dynamics. It's a very subtle thing. It's not an over the top thing. It's he is 100% all in and she is emotionally reserved. Yeah. Um, Yes. When we get to the end, I will give my speech on why I relate to Buffy a lot in this. But (laughs) let's go back to we get Anya and Xander babysitting Dawn, which I always appreciate these scenes. Such a normal scene. (laughs) Choose the monkeys. (laughs) It's such a good, I love it. I love that entire scene. Is is this the second time that we've learned about Anya's love of Ooh, the Game of Life? Yeah, because I think it's in, I think it's in like episode two when they're babysitting Dawn, maybe episode three, that like, they're actually playing life and that's yeah. why she's winning. And she's like, I have all these children. Can I change them I'm for money? Burdened with many, I'm burdened with many tiny pink children. <laughs> Can I trade the children in for more money? Yeah. It's one of the best Buffy gifts. That yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I always really like getting to see Anya. I mean, seeing her with Dawn is really funny just because 
in a way, she treats Dawn as an equal. She doesn't, like, it doesn't occur to her, oh, this is a child. Yeah. Like, sometimes it does when she's, like, babysitting, but most of the time she just talks to her like she's another adult. Which, of course, makes sense for Anya because she's an ex-demon, whatever. But I, you know, when Xander's like, well, if we're going to teach her how to gamble, maybe we can take her drinking. And she's like, mm, I don't think the bar will serve her. <laughs> well, we can bring some in. Yeah. <laughs> like, for me, those are, like, really good Anya moments. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I do think, so I I think the, like, B-plot kind of of this episode is Xander and Anya, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do appreciate that because... Now I'm skipping to the... Which is when Buffy says to him, is she just a convenience? We haven't gotten a lot of scenes of, like, them being lovey-dovey or, like... Yeah. We've gotten scenes of them laying in bed together, but not, like, any anything emotional. Um, yeah. Which is funny yeah. because when I watched the show, they were my favorite couple. Um, and, of course, now my favorite couple is Willow and Tara because, duh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, I, I like that this episode does a little bit of that, which you know, builds up for him proposing in the final episode of this season, which also then goes to the wedding episode where then I am mad at Xander forever. Um, yep. But, so I really like Anya doing that with Dawn. Um, and these are episodes where, like, I like Dawn. Dawn knows, and she's like, oh, they want to get me out of the house so they can have loud, obnoxious sex. I like that she's more uh, intuitive than Buffy would give her credit for or more, like, observant than Buffy would give her credit for. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I just like, and they're talking... and they don't have loud, obnoxious sex. They have the dumbest. Oh, look, here are some <laughs> legs, and he's on top. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Kirsten, yeah, those scenes are excruciating. That's in my notes in all caps. But Riley and Buffy don't even have loud, obnoxious sex. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. It's yeah. it's very it's very you know old school. Yeah, these movie type of it's very. Of the time, right? Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like they play, like, a cheesy song, and it's all, like... <laughs> I'm like, they... Buffy literally... And I feel like that's true. Buffy just wanted to have sex. Like, get it. Like, all right. Um, she had a, like, rough couple of months. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then... So then Riley gets mad during before they have their boring sex. Riley gets <laughs> mad at her... And I legitimately rolled my eyes. Like, I was like, watch, because this isn't an episode I rewatch as much, so I didn't quite remember what happened here. And I was like, oh, they're actually making me like him. He's being, like, supportive and sweet. But then he gets mad that, like, she didn't cry to him, and I'm just like, yeah, come on. Yeah. (laughs) That's a moment for him. Now, you know, I'm married. I've been with my husband for eight years. I I, I feel like I've learned how to mature and have mature relationships. That's the point where he should be like, oh, Buffy, can we, like, I'm... I wish, you know, here's a thing that's been on my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to, like, instead of doing this passive-aggressive, let's go have boring sex, and then we're going to sneak out and get bitten by vampires. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where you could be like, oh, Buffy, I really wish, like, you could have cried to me. You know you can always do that. I'm really here for you. Uh, you know, I, I want to be, like, just talk. Yeah. Just talk. <laughs> be there. <laughs> instead of being passive-aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I was very curious to know more about what's really going on with Riley's self-worth and, you know, self-esteem. For some reason, I was, like, really obsessed with, like, what is really going on with you? Because all those things that, you know, he was saying, like, you didn't come to me, this and that and everything else. I just wanted to know, like, what does he really think of himself? And especially when he talks about Dracula and how he wanted to know how Buffy felt 
when you know when that happened and it was just like I, I just need to know what's really going on in your head besides you feeling like you don't belong but and I and you know I guess it's because the initiative went back you know back shit crazy and everything else I wonder if that just took so much of a toll that it, uh-huh. it's just a breaking point of Buffy not really being that person for him he has yeah. so many valid points too like yeah. That is just talk about them, dude. Like, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine dating Buffy and being like, oh, yeah, your ex is, is like a vampire that went evil and murdered a whole bunch of people. And then also you were just bitten by Dracula. Like, and I'm Mr. Cornfed. Is he from Iowa? Like, yeah, I like but talk about that. Like, tell her, like, sometimes I feel like I'm not dark enough for you. Like, I don't have this edgy side. Like, give her a chance to actually say no. I want you, Iowa boy. It's kind of like he's never giving her the option to actually let her get all in in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like he's he's kind of jumping to her own conclusion and being like, well, you obviously don't love me too. Like, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because yes, being like, oh, this is my partner. They haven't expressed that they've felt this kind of way about it, but they're telling me now. I'd be like, hey, let's we can talk about this. But like, yeah, the passive aggressive bullshit just like doesn't fly. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I mean, granted, at this point, we think her mom is okay. So it's like, oh, we thought we had a scare. And that's all it was. So whatever. But still, like, be like, oh, well, she thought her mom was going to die. So maybe give her, even if even if these are your, like, thoughts, like, maybe give her a little bit of leeway here, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it's like her parent that, like you said, Kirsten, like, she hugged her sister. Of course she hugged her sister. Like, <laughs> this is her family, and you guys are 19. I mean, maybe he's a little bit older, but they're, like, literally That's the other thing. He definitely is, because he was a teacher's aide, right? But yeah. he said he was a student, so he's, like, oh. Uh, that we figured that out, because we were discussing that in season four, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they do, at one point, say that he's a student as well, so he's, like... What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, so like he's probably he could be anywhere from like two to four years older. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. he could be a graduate student. I was thinking that he might be a grad student or whatever. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, either way, yeah, he is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, he should be more mature. Yeah, I, but I mean, uh, like Kirsten said earlier, I do think the writing is done well. Like, I don't think. Yes, definitely. I think this is all on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, James Marster said in our episode for Fool for Love that he thinks. I mean, he said it in such a funny way. He was like, remember Mark Blucas? And I was like, yes, of course I remember Riley. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that he thinks that Riley was written that way to set up for Spike. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he didn't even, see that. He Makes even sense. said he couldn't. He was like, I don't know that that's true, but I think that that's what happened. Like, I think they knew what they were doing with Riley and they did all of it on purpose. And I'm like, kind of inclined to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this the boring sex scene ends with us learning that Spike is outside ostensibly like watching them have oh, boring sex. Well, not watching them because he can't see from that angle, but... But like he knows what's going on. I know, I know. So the fact that like that stuff is starting just as the rally stuff is ramping down does really seem like that was the intention. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Although, okay, I'm going to really question Riley's soldier skills too. He walks out of the house... Spike has been standing there smoking for how long? And he's not like, why is there cigarette smoke out here? And Spike is yeah. like not being furtive following him either. So I'm going to say Riley's not a great soldier. No. Um, yeah, because you're right. Like in the one episode, uh, what is it? In I forget which episode it is now. Though The one where she meets Glory for the first time. There's like a ton of cigarettes by that tree because he's been smoking mm-hmm. there. For, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Also, how do we feel about that with Riley going to the vamp, like, den, house, whatever, to, like, get bit? It's so similar to the Willow being addicted to magic kind of thing yeah. for me. Like, when they when they make the whole mystical metaphor thing really on the nose. <laughs> and the only reason for me that, like, I mean, I don't care because, what, it's like we get three episodes of it and then he's gone. So, like, sure, fine, whatever. I do think a lot of times on this show, and clearly I say this with love because I love this show, I do think a lot of times there's, like, a clear predecessor to another plot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think... Sunday in season four as like the head of that college vamp gang was like totally like they're trying out a villain like that and that's what led them maybe to glory mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think you're right Brett. I think this is like the predecessor to Willow I I, I wish they would have been like mm, we don't need a whole season of this no 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 <laughs> uh, but you know we got it so whatever um but yeah I I don't, because I don't quite know what we're supposed, if we're supposed to see it as a metaphor for drugs, as a metaphor for sex, as a metaphor. I thought it was a metaphor for him cheating on her. I mean, right, like, that's, I was going to say, like, clearly we're getting to, like, oh, he's cheating, but I don't quite know. And because could that vampire drug house have had more mattresses? Like, the whole (laughs) thing was mattresses. It was just, like, mattresses against the wall, mattresses on the floor, mattresses stacked up. Like, where did they get all of those? (laughs) I felt like there was a theme overall the series about the need to feel because i always think about when what riley did with that also when buffy returned and her need she needed to feel something um as well as some of the other members they always wanted to feel something or do something the same with willow um when she was getting into magic i always thought that's been like kind of a weird drifting theme is yeah these need to feel something they need to like do these things and when i think about buffy and spike that was a huge i need to feel something but as you were saying before it was kind of neat to think about like riley was kind of boring then we jump into her and spike which was like things that a lot of us have done we will will be with someone who's like okay this is cute and boring but okay it's he's here and or she's here and then you will go somewhere you meet somebody who will just completely change everything around and next thing you know you kind of doing crazy things and you know sex in the alleys and whatever you're gonna do so it just seems that you know this has always been about to feel something with some of these characters and the story so when i see this i just think of him as like he wanted to feel and then we see that again with other characters in, in the overall story yeah it's interesting that riley riley leaves and then buffy ends up going down the exact same path in a way that riley just went down right that I, she got mad at him over. Which is I hadn't even thought about that, but that's yeah. really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we get, you know, Buffy. No, no, that's not yet. Uh, I'm getting my notes mixed up. So then Buffy goes to see her mom, talks about wigs. Um, it's very queer. I'm very happy. <laughs> Can I ask if, because wouldn't, the, how would they have shaved Joyce's head totally no. in real life? No, I don't think so. I've had friends who've had brain surgery, and they just shave the portion that they need to operate on. Yeah. And I also appreciate that Buffy stops herself from saying Riley's coming over for sex and says Bible study. And I appreciate that Joyce, as a supportive mother, is just like, well, good. I'm glad you're getting some Bible study. Like, she's glad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I appreciate that she's being a supportive mother about her daughter getting together, quote-unquote, with her boyfriend. Uh... So, then we get Buffy waking up to Spike in her room, and I'm just like, Spike, you're killing me. Like, (laughs) uh. (laughs) 
And also, yeah. if any of them had cell phones, this would be a lot easier. But like, yeah. no one in Sunnydale seems oh, yeah. to have a cell phone <laughs> until. And this is definitely seven. this is cell phone time, right? This is you know, I yeah. had a cell phone, and that was yeah, like, I had a cell. Yeah, I was a junior in high school, I think, when this aired. And I yeah. had a cell phone. I was I was a senior, and I'm pretty sure I also did. Because um, I remember when I would watch this being like, why don't they have cell phones yet? They make a point of that in the season seven premiere when yeah. Buffy's like, I'm giving you the greatest weapon ever. And she finally gives Dawn a cell phone, which seems like the the show winking at. Yeah, we know we probably should have had cell phones for the past three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> because- yeah, I will tell you, as an author, cell phones are a nightmare. Yeah, because they make plots so difficult. Because why wouldn't <laughs> yeah. they just text each other? <laughs> like I have a friend who wrote a slasher novel, and she very, very deliberately set it in the middle of nowhere so that she could ostensibly say, "There's no cell coverage here." Like, yeah. it's yeah. hard. They're hard to plot around. I don't blame them for leaving them out as long as they possibly could. I also wrote down that the internet would have made the fact that when they go to the suck den, which I guess is what I'm calling it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, into the, I'm into that name. When they go there, none of the vampires seem to, like that one vampire comes up and picks a fight with Spike. And it's like, well, you guys don't know who Spike is. And then they also yeah. can't, they can't like face ID Buffy. And I was like, oh, if the internet exists, like if this episode was taking place in 2018, there would probably be like a dark web (laughs) empire website that's like, here's what the Slayer looks like. Here's who she's dating right now. Uh, Here's (laughs) like all of her because everyone would have cell phones, et cetera. Uh, And so like as soon as Riley shows up, you could imagine all of them being like, let's watch him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe. Yeah. Maybe don't take him as a client. Or if we do, we got to be real careful about this shit. Or it could have been like some like a cruiser site, like that was a cruiser site when you go to new towns, like it's like like where to go if you want to suck get your blood or whatever. Like, <laughs> don't you like stick your arm through a hole in a bathroom stall? <laughs> God, <laughs> like, that could work. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I I I think you're right, Kirsten. It's a metaphor for cheating. After us discussing um this uh suck house as it is, uh, <laughs> um so. The Spike going into her room, I mean, I, so I get it. He doesn't have a soul, whatever, but I'm just like, dude, at least leave when she's getting out of bed to get changed. Like, walk out of her door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the reveal is just weird, right? Like, especially because the audience already know, like, we already know everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't, so I think that Buffy is written, like, it makes sense for Buffy, but... The way she acts for the rest of this episode, I don't love it. Because I don't like when she gets all in her head with her loner bullshit. I have to do this. I get why she wouldn't want to talk about it in front of everyone. But this seems like something she should have, like, talked to Willow and Xander about. To be like, hey. Yeah. yeah. Can you guys believe Willow- this shit? <laughs> yeah, Willow's not in this. She's in two seasons, this, two scenes in this episode. And that is it. Yeah. It's weird, right? Like, it seems like maybe even, even not Xander, but at least Willow, that she would talk yeah, to Yeah, you would this. go to your best friend, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, especially when you're 19 and you found out your boyfriend. Like, I, it seems like she should have talked to Willow. Um, but, you know, this and Lost are two of my favorite shows. Well, this is my favorite show. Lost is one of my favorites. Um, and that show always had the problem of, why isn't everyone talking about the thing that just happened? Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> And sometimes the show delves into that, and I guess a lot of shows do, because then you don't have plots if they're just, like, talking it out. Uh, but so she just runs out. Riley sees her, but then doesn't 
like no one talks about it like he doesn't immediately go to her is it remind me is it the initiative is already there or does he run in he yeah. they're at his yeah, place they're in his apartment right. okay. is, and then he magically knows they're there when he couldn't pick up on spike and all the cigarette smoke yeah so, <laughs> yeah he knows head. the cologne the specific yes. initiative cologne they all wear <laughs> that musk of testosterone <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, this episode is gayer than I than I thought it was. <laughs> um. When the initiative, when we get this, like, well, it's now the army. It's like all the old initiative right. guys have been like folded into this army thing, and they're talking about going down and stopping all these demons in Belize that are what, like, attacking missionaries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I wrote down in my notes like, why was the initiative so boring? If what they just described is so cool, like. <laughs> I want to watch that show. Oh, see, I was kind of like, let him kill the missionaries. I mean, they don't belong there. Uh, well, like, so, like, I, I, think I, I think this made me realize why the initiative was so boring is because you want to watch demon hunting spy army guys going international. Like, you want to watch Alias, but with demons. Yeah. And the Buffy, yeah. Buffy had to remain on the Hellmouth, and also their budget was so low. Right. Uh-huh. That we got what we got in season four, which is a warehouse with some tinfoil, and <laughs> they're just all <laughs> There is a good initiative show and a good initiative idea, but it involves them actually going places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, they just like that would have been cool, but it probably wouldn't have been cool to watch within their budget. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what? Then we get. Does he come see her in the magic box? Is that what's next? Yeah, she's picking oh, up the punching bag. Oh, wait, no. So this, yeah. No, this is when we get the really good line that Brett mentioned, which... Yeah, this is maybe my favorite scene in the episode because it is just like all the other characters just doing a bit of comedy because they're all preparing for the Christmas rush, the holiday season rush. And oh, I I noted on the banner, I love this detail. It's like, get all of your like winter solstice, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, yeah. Christmas, and Gurinthar's ascendance. <laughs> <laughs> gifts here that's so good i really appreciate that it's a christmas episode but it's not they don't even talk about it it's just like oh there's a sign there there's some decorations yeah because in the next episode there's also still like all these holiday decorations around the magic box in triangle Mm. so they just but they just don't like talk about it but they're there i always wonder if there was maybe like a scene or a line that was cut triangle is the episode after this one yeah yeah so this episode so this scene right here is setting up triangle yeah oh totally yeah Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> great writing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because they definitely lean into the Willow and Anya not getting along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Anya delivers her line of, I know what you say about me. She, that, that, I just like that Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal, which is, for me, like the Anya line. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> I also write down that this is the best Willow hair, in my opinion. I, I like it short. It's got a nice little like natural like wave to it. I like her. I actually really like season six into season seven, longer flowy red hair. As someone who um, does cover art, I do pay attention to their hairstyles that they have in certain episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Victor, did I interrupt you? I feel like I did. No, no, I was agreeing with you. I was agreeing. But <laughs> I, I want to jump real quick. You mentioned season seven hair. I've always loved that short front and then long in the back. Well, not like a mullet, but always like that. <laughs> For some reason, I always call it the Karma look, because if you remember Karma from The New Mutants, she had oh, kind of, where it was like cut on the side. It was short to side, long, oh, yeah. kind of long. 
back. And I've always loved that look. I try to do that when I have my longer dreads. So therefore, I've always loved that look on Willow season seven. Yeah, I feel like, Victor, I feel like that's how we became friends on Twitter, is we both agreed on like X-Men and Buffy things all the time. <laughs> 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 Which I will, also I want to point out that, uh, Brett, I quoted your X-Men article on a, I forget what episode it was, but how I always say that the X-Men cartoon kind of led me to Buffy. Because oh, you, yeah, yeah. Don't you say that in your X-Men article, how, like, it was one yeah. of the first? For the 25th anniversary of the cartoon last October, I wrote about how the Saturday Morning X-Men cartoon season one was, like, this gateway drug for a generation <laughs> to serialized storytelling. Because that first season is like, it's like one of the only times, it was like the only time a cartoon at that point had yeah. done like every episode leads into the next one, which created horrible budgeting problems because animation takes like certain episodes take longer than other ones. And because they were all connected, it led to this domino effect and things couldn't be aired on time. But like that was what got me into like, oh, stories can continue from week to week. And then yeah. I latched on to Buffy because I mean, I'm a huge X-Men fan. And when I started watching Buffy, I noted that, like, characters and plot lines, like, come and go at a very natural pace, like, similar to, like, a Chris Claremont run on X-Men, where, like, Ginny Calendar was around for as long as Ginny Calendar needed to be around. And it wasn't, you know, and I, I really liked that about the show, about, like, if this episode needs Drusilla, we're gonna get Juliet Landau. Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I remember, That's like... So X-Men was one of my big ones. Like That was one of the first shows that I started making a point of watching. That yeah. same cartoon. Yep. Yeah. 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 That was my first appointment television. Uh, as, as a young nerd, I had to get my allergy shots Saturday morning, and so I had to have my dad tape them on VHS so I could watch them when I got home. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, allergy shots were on Wednesday afternoon, so. Uh, okay. <laughs> 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 That's, like, par for the course, right? Like, we have to get them. That's, like... Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm getting them again at 35. Like, my allergies got worse again. Who knew that could happen? Um, so I feel like I'm 16 again. Um, well, not even 16, God. Um, but so so we get that scene. I really like... It, it does. I put that on my notes. It sets up for Triangle, which is really cool. I like that. But I just don't like Buffy... Is it this scene where she walks in? Or is it the next scene? I think it's at the end of this scene with the chicken feet right yes. and then she's like yeah. she's like did you know this was a thing and jazz was like yeah it's not really a priority oh yeah hi i'm yeah. the host of the buffy yeah. cat bot a buffy podcast and i'm asking all my guests what happens next <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys uh, well this episode is basically a whole lot of kind of like monologue two-person scenes of yeah. people doing yeah. <laughs> so it does get yeah. kind of mixed yeah up. um i don't because i mean like i said i just wish i understand I feel like with Giles, because he is more like a dad, I understand why she wouldn't want to discuss her, like, issues with her boyfriend with him, and, like, maybe yeah. not in front of Anya, but it just feels like she could have been like, hey, Willow, come in the back with me, let's yeah. chat about yes. this. I'm trying to feel like if, if she should have gone in there and blown up Riley's spot, I'd be like, yeah, I'm concerned about this because I just found Riley there, and, like, <laughs> yeah. telling entire well, cast. But, but it's embarrassing for her Yeah, that her yeah. boyfriend... Is going to vampires for this? Like that's humiliating. Yeah, and I also um, want to. So say that... I can see why she's mad, but she doesn't want everybody to know about it. Like that's that would be that's deeply humiliating, especially considering she is a vampire slayer. Yeah, that that he would choose to betray her by letting vampires suck on her uh, suck on him is like it's a it's cuts deep on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah, and also she was 
she was talking to Riley at one point. It's this whole thing of she feel like she has to, that she should have known or she should always be aware of things and she's the slayer. So I think that's also weighing on her that yeah. I, I know this was going on. My man yeah. is this and my mom is, you know, this is happening. I think it was just kind of that lashing out um, when she talked to Charles the way she did, the way she talked to Riley in the, and when it was punching the bag, it was all this, I think a little bit of this, I, I'm not on top of the game as I should be. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like that's probably true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point that I hadn't thought of, um, that she's just kind of embarrassed and it did just happen. So it's not like she had time to like think about it to herself. She like went directly there, got weapons and then goes and lights the place on fire. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so fun arson fact. If you light something on fire on purpose and anyone dies as a result of that, it is automatically first-degree murder. Oh, shit. Oof. Yeah, because you are engaging in an activity that is actively dangerous and you know that it's that dangerous. So it's one of the few, yeah, it's one of the few things that, that it's automatically first-degree murder. So Buffy maybe shouldn't be lighting fires. <laughs> and Kirsten is married to a lawyer, so she knows her shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to a lawyer who works with the fire department. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like, that's a very irresponsible move, Buffy. Were there buildings around it? Like, come on. That's <laughs> It just seems like she's doing too much, right? Like, I, I want her mm-hmm. to just, like... Yeah. But, I mean, I think that the gang has trouble getting her to pump the brakes, like, often. I mean, clearly, that's a big issue in Season 7. Um, mm-hmm. Like, because she can be really stubborn, which, I mean, I that all fits in with Buffy. That's Buffy's character. But she is mm-hmm. really stubborn. She is... She can be, like, um, not... She, she is someone that sometimes doesn't want to hear the truth. Yeah. Um... So I guess that's why they're kind of, they're all kind of like mopey, like, oh, what is she doing? But no one's really quite stopped. Like, Xander actually is the only one that's like, hey, why don't we think about what we're doing? And she's just like, no, I'm lighting the place on fire. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't like watching her see, I don't like watching Buffy like that, but I do get that it fits in with her character. Um, yeah. So then Ry- Riley, instead of, he goes to see Spike first, doesn't he? Before he sees Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great scene. It really is. I I have to say, even though they're both not doing great things character-wise, <laughs> I enjoy watching them. It's weird that it's the first time someone talks to Spike about having feelings for Buffy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's her boyfriend that does it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. But the whole reason that Spike did any of this is to basically, like, break them up or, like, to fuck up their relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Because yeah. he doesn't care. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, he does not give a shit. But it is, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, Spike's motives are really shitty. And if it could have been somewhat, like, if it could have been Willow that found out, could have delivered the information a lot, like, easier and, like, leaned her into it and just been like, hey, why don't we sit down rather not than... basically, like, surprise! Yeah, here's your boyfriend. Your Come on. <laughs> but, of course... Right in the long run, we're like, oh well, Buffy clearly needed to know that, right? Yeah, but yeah, but I I love the scene after when Buffy comes out and Spike's like, "All right, let's talk," and she just gives him just this utterly withering look and walks away because Spike does everything wrong. Yes, um, yeah. And yeah, so the scene between him and and Riley I think is so fantastic because there's two men who are both in love with Buffy and they both know they don't deserve her yeah. in a way and they're never going to get what they want from her 
And so that whole like acknowledgement of that, even though they hate each other, I think was really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like when you get two villains just like chatting and that's kind of what this felt like because yeah, yeah, they're both going around about it in like the worst way. Spike is like stalking her. Riley is lashing out. And I just, I really like when Spike throws him the drink. Yeah. The bottle. I I just really like that. And he just sits down. Um, Especially because this comes after... Wait, is this after? No, this isn't after that. I was going to say, this is right after Fool for Love, but it's not. <laughs> um, I mean, Riley Riley walks in and immediately, like, stakes Spike with a plastic wood grain yep. stake. But, like, as an act break, that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, and also I kept thinking, Jesus, even though that's not, like, a wooden stake, that has to hurt a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my question is, logistically... How does a plastic stake go through a shirt? If it's pointy <laughs> enough, right? I don't know. I mean, I know just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I have some issues. <laughs> also, like, he's wearing a black shirt, so they don't really have to. Like, because when he sits back down in the chair after being staked, you don't see a hole or blood, blood because yeah. it's yeah. black, so it's like in shadow, kind of. It's a really good way to work around that. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I feel like they were pretty good about that on the show a lot because I feel like. You know, and the now I forget what it's called. I usually have it sitting right here by me. Oh yeah, there it is. It is on my desk. Slayers and Vampires, like oral history book. Joss says mm-hmm. so many times how lots of times their budget was their biggest issue. Like they had to work around yeah. it, and like they would have like two walls to film this one scene, and they had to make it look like a huge building. Um, so I do think they are. Yeah, I, lots of times when there's things like that, I'm like, Ugh, it was 1999, 2000. They didn't. They had like a budget of a hundred dollars. Um, but yeah I do I I like that scene I like that I also like that it's just you know Riley just says it there's no like discussion about it Riley's like oh well like I know you like her and there's never no one disputes anything they just kind of are like yep and we're both we both suck at it let's have a drink about it (laughs) it feels weird but it also feels organic for the two of them right Yeah. yeah then Riley comes into the magic box um and I do like Anya being like, ooh, are you going to have some late night hanky-panky and her, like, not getting it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, clearly Riley's upset. This is not going to be, like, a fun time. This is going to be, like, a really bad discussion they have. Um, and Xander kind of gets it. He's just like, come on, let's go. Uh, and their their talk, I think, is, like, really good. I don't know. I, I think the conversation, I mean, while Buffy, Buffy is right, but... I do think Riley, I don't know. I I think the writing in that scene is really tight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I do feel bad for both parties, even though I'm on Buffy's side. They are both. So they're both equally in the wrong. Well, not equally, but they're both right and wrong in different areas. Like the way that like Buffy, the Sarah Michelle Gellar bites out that line of like, tell me about your whores. Yeah. She does it so good. And it's also like, again, it's one of those like, oh, pump the brakes, Buffy. Like that you're getting real. (laughs) Like they're both, she's so angry justified justifiably angry but also very angry and it's like that's not going to get a good conversation back from riley who was also when he busts out that the initiative is back and tonight like it is a super dick move to give her an ultimatum even though he says like it's not an ultimatum give me a reason to stay it's like that is an ultimatum like no matter what so yeah, and, the, and the whole give me a reason to stay just really gets uh, under my skin because it's basically like, yes, I betrayed you. I did this awful thing, 
but in order for us to stay together, you're going to have to continually to prove to me why we should. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? It's like he's yeah. right. He's like totally in the right, like all the way up to that point. Like, yeah. he is right. Like, yes, Buffy, can you please actually, sh- dim- like, let me know you love me because I actually legitimately don't know. But then to take it, he takes it that further step of being like, prove it to me now. Like, he should have said, yeah. listen, the initiative yeah. is coming. I think it's best that I go. And just leave it at that. Yeah. Because that still does the same thing. Like, that will still plant the seed in, like, if he should trust Buffy, that if she does love him, he doesn't need to say, come tell me. She will do it. Or I'm going to go unless you want me to stay and we can try and fix this. Like, the the whole, like, yeah. yeah, mm -mm." He was very desperate. I mean, I I guess part of me goes out to him because I, I think a lot of us have been there. We have been desperate and we're just trying to you know, trying to find a reason to, trying to see where we matter with someone. So I think a part of me was like, no, I, I understand he's trying, he's throwing out everything he can. He's trying to get everything he can do at that moment to to see if it's worth, you know, everything to him. And so I just felt like he was desperate and he just needed to know something and he was doing everything he can to, to be in her life. And I think that was just the last draw for him. Oh, it's like, a real believable yes. argument. Yes. Too. I just, yeah, yeah, I just remembered my first, my first long relationship blew up just like this. <laughs> there, were no, there were no vampires involved. <laughs> no no boyfriend. We had dated for like two years and both, most of it had been long distance. And then he was finally, um, he was a college freshman and I was a high school senior and he was finally close by. Um, but he just like was not as into the relationship as I was. So I finally was like, look, you either need to start like, treating me better and like actually coming over when you say you're going to and stuff or i think we should break up and he was like okay and i was like what (laughs) because to me it was it was a like i'm gonna tell him this and then he's gonna realize that he hasn't been a great boyfriend and then things are gonna work out and instead he was like oh thank goodness yeah bye (laughs) oh on the same page (laughs) no wonder i hate riley so much i was him I also, I broke up with my, so I've only ever had one girlfriend. <laughs> when I was a senior in college, senior in high school, I broke up with my girlfriend after watching the uh, Xander Anya wedding episode. Uh-huh. And I used that episode as my reasoning. I basically said that that episode was old man Xander coming back to tell me about everything. <laughs> uh, because I, because the entire lead time leading up to it, she had been talking about like going away for college and like, wanting to move on and doing all this stuff. And then apparently my friends later told me, yeah, she was saying all that just to get you to literally say anything about wanting her to stay. (laughs) And so then I use that as like, listen, you obviously want to go on like to other colleges. And so like, I think there is time that maybe we don't be together anymore. And I cited that Buffy episode in my breakup. And then I realized I was gay four years later. So (laughs) Uh, all things in time. (laughs) I think, um, well, while we're there, yeah, I, I've had, I've been dumped by a guy that then got mad at me because I also did that, Kirsten. I was just like, uh-huh. oh, okay. And he was like, aren't you upset? And I was like, no, like, I understand why we need to break up. <laughs> and like, he was furious with me because I yeah. think it was kind of the same thing. Like he thought I would, but it was kind of like a race to the finish to see who was going to dump who. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's like. 
But that's like this next part where Riley is like, hit me, hit me. Yeah. He wants something. He wants anything yeah. from her. Literally he wants anything. any strong reaction, any strong emotion he can get from her, and she's not going to give it to him. Yeah. That's, it's, so, al- it's almost like a it's crazy. Negative, he wants it. It's like a crazy yeah. slight, right? That he's saying hit yeah. me, and she just like, but she just like brushes him off. Yep. Yep. Um. So yeah, I was going to also say that, but I mean, we're going to get there in a minute, actually. Um. Victor, did I did you have something you want to say too about this? Oh no, no, I, I agree with what everything's been right. said. Again, I just think that he was just so desperate, and I think that's a just, really fair point, though, Victor. Like, yeah. right? You almost like while he's mostly in the wrong, I do feel bad because that is your. I think you're right. I think he just mm. he is in love with her, and he's not showing. I, he's just he's getting caught up in his head, and he's. Buffy would have been fine continuing dating him, but he's getting so caught up in his own shit yeah. that, like, he explodes the relationship when it didn't really need to... Ex- I mean, I do think At she At the was- worst time, her yes. mom was just in the hospital. Yeah. Yes! Yep. With a brain tumor at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, the worst time. So lost. He was just lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, then Buffy goes... What is it? Does she run? She runs into the. So, wait. I wanted to point out that Riley in their argument, the moment when he did lose me, because I was feeling bad for him. I was like, Buffy's making good points, but I do feel bad for him. Is when he yells at her, "It's about me taking care of you," and I'm just like, "Oh, dude!" Like, yeah. That like, I mean, he summed up his problems, right? Because yeah. that's what he wants, and that's not what she's going to give him. Yeah. Because she doesn't need someone to take... She needs someone who's, like, a literal partner. She doesn't mm-hmm. need someone who's, like, the caretaker. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what he wants. And so that's why this wasn't going to work. Um, which I feel like, as the audience kind of knew, mostly from the beginning, right? Like, once we learned Riley's in the initiative, it was like, this isn't going to work. So then he leaves. He gives her a fucking ultimatum, which does really piss me off. Uh, and Buffy runs into that group of vamps from the quote-unquote suck den. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, not... I don't know. It's weird when we get, like, okay, she kills that group of vamps, but then there's the one who looks like she's, like, an addict and has something, like, going on, like, whatever, and she's, like, emaciated, and Buffy lets her run away, but then, like, throws the stake through her while she's running away. It's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the vamp that she caught with Riley. It's Riley's... Yeah. Like, yeah. Mistressy... If that's the metaphor we're going for, <laughs> yeah. so it is a, ugh, it's a, it's a rough. I also wanted to point out that the show blew its entire budget in that one scene. Oh yeah, <laughs> because I know that like vampire dustings are the most expensive effect on the show, uh-huh. and they're because that's why sometimes they dust off screen and then like dust is literally like thrown up from the bottom. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like um, but there's like what five in a row in yeah. this yeah. scene. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I really love this scene because there's so many of them and she's upset and you kind of expect, like sometimes when she gets ganged up on and she's upset, it's a little bit of a rougher fight, like she has a harder time getting, but this time she is just, she's in Terminator mode. She just takes them all out, like zero effort. And part of me understands what they were trying to do with the with the the junkie vampire girlfriend, whatever, Um making it look like it was really cold of Buffy to get her as she was running away. But then the other part of me is like, they're literally vampires. If she gets yeah. away, anyone she kills will be Buffy's fault for letting her go. So yeah, she should have killed her. 
<laughs> I mean, you're right. You're you're not incorrect, but I just I don't know. It leaves me like a little bit of like. Ugh. Um, yeah. I mean, how many times does she let Spike live that he? Yeah, and that is that is one of my recurring issues with the show is like the vampires that they do let live, like they let Harmony go. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't really want to kill her. I'm like, well, but she kills people on screen. Does does Harmony ever kill anyone on screen? She does, doesn't she? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. God, now, um, uh, yeah, now that you mention that, I'm like, she has to have, but I can't, like, genuinely... has to have, but she's such an inept vampire <laughs> that maybe she hasn't. Um, but, yeah, like, if they have a personal relationship with a vampire, they'll just let them go a lot, and I yeah. have an issue with that because, like, they're going to kill people. Yeah, like, so... they're letting them go, and that vampire is most definitely going to kill someone again. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but I do agree that they, they that there, there was an uglier, it was an uglier kill. Yeah. But I mean, I again, it's definitely on purpose. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah. it's like not. I'm like, I don't feel great about yeah. this. Um, so then Buffy gets meets runs into Xander. Um, how do we all feel about Xander's speech? Uh, it, I, I feel like it's such a good speech, but he's giving it for himself. Yeah, yeah I I do I That's like good. that it is I like it narratively in that it is a speech that he that furthers action. Like when I like that he is not presented as totally on the right. Cause when Buffy calls out, that's also what you're doing with Anya. Yeah. He brushes it off, but then we realize later, like, no, he actually did kind of take that to heart. And that did okay. help him grow in his own personal relationship, which does justify that just in general, I love Xander, but also like he's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I try to be more fair about Xander only because I, I just love, I love the show. I love every part of it, and I think Xander fits into his part. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do understand, looking back at him, especially in 2018, he is a problem. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But I mean... This time, I guess, listening to his monologue, it felt almost to me like he was, he was talking about his own role in the Scoobies. Yeah. Almost, yeah. like, because he made it huh. so personal. And he was never that, like, it wasn't like he was super close with Riley. Um, but I think he identified so much with Riley because Riley's role as Buffy's boyfriend is Xander's role among the Scoobies. Right, yes. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that, yeah. Riley, Riley's also another, he was the other, like, normal-ish dude on the, yeah. in the, you know, in the team, basically. Because yeah. everyone yeah. else is like, a witch or an ex-demon or a watcher or a slayer. And then Riley used to be an army guy. Yeah. yeah. You kind of see a little bit of camaraderie there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I actually, the few scenes we do get of Xander and Riley being friends, I actually do appreciate. Like, Yeah, they're good scenes. Yeah. Um, I, I always, and I think Matthew and I have both said this on the podcast, I always felt that was a thing lacking with Oz. Um, mm-hmm. That I really liked Oz, but he doesn't really do much. Um, no, he has no role. He like yeah, right. Like other than like they're like, oh wait, he's also a werewolf. He doesn't do much. He's just kind of there. I would have liked seeing him and Xander together, like just like being friends, because mm-hmm. the show does that really well. But it doesn't give Xander enough of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. So I do, I do like Xander's speech to her, and I think I really feel like it depends on my mood when I watch this episode whether. Because then I'm like, oh, but I understand. But also, like, Xander, you have to know that Riley isn't the man for her and that you're just giving this speech because you're thinking of you. Yeah. But, yeah. so this is so this is where I bring up my 
that I was going to mention before. So then she does, he does convince her to run after him, after Riley. And I don't think, I truly think that Buffy is too smart to think, oh no, Riley is the one I'm going to make this work. Mm-hmm. I think she kind of runs after him because I do think, as we've said a million times in this episode, Riley was all in, she was not, but she didn't, dis- it's not like she didn't like him. She does care for yeah. him. Yeah. And I think, so I was in a relationship, my grandma was dying, I was super depressed, I got dumped right before she passed away, and I remember being so upset, and it wasn't even because I liked the guy that much, but it was because it was like, I have so much going on, couldn't yeah. this wait till later? <laughs> yeah. And like, I feel like that's how Buffy, like Buffy doesn't need something else that's unstable in her life. So yeah, I do think that's why she runs after Riley because it's like, I mean, season five, they definitely like very early on show that it's not, but she, to her, it's a stable thing in her life. And I mean, granted in her mind now, her mom is okay, but yeah. she still has glory. Yeah. She found out Dawn wasn't real. She just went through almost losing her mother. And, you know, in a few episodes, she's going to actually lose her. But I feel like she didn't need to also deal with a breakup, right? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. wasn't she wasn't ready. She wasn't the one who was ready for the relationship to end cuz right. he was the ultimatum guy. She wasn't. She was gonna she didn't break up with him. Yeah. 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 She she would have been like I don't think she was unhappy. Like I think she was like this is fine. Yeah. And I mean yeah. most of Riley's up until this episode, most of Riley's bullshit was like we saw it, but she didn't. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like him going off and getting bit, him meeting um that vampire at the bar, like he was dealing with his shit off screen. And mm-hmm. I mean, he does say to Xander at the end of that one episode, oh, she doesn't love me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is like pretty that, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of hit me when I first saw that episode right? when he said, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it was, that was interesting to see. But I wanted to go back to what you were just saying about Riley and, oh, wow. As I think about it, it's really, it's kind of sad. I think. Buffy needed a win. I think that's another reason why she ran for him. You know, she needed a win. She needed something that she knew that was not only consistent, but she it was predictable in the way of yeah. like, I know he's going to be there. So when all, all this stuff hits the fan, he's going to be there. I can't lose that. Yeah. And I that was uh, another reason why she was running for him because she he was a convenience. Sadly, he was a convenience, and I think she got so caught. I think many of us have done this too. We found someone that it's when things go down, we just kind of jump to that person that we know is going to be there because it's a convenience. Do we love that person? Do we care about that person? That can be questionable. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, and I think that's why I I do get a little like teary eyed when I watch the end, just because I feel so bad for Buffy. She has so yeah. much shit going on. And Riley, like, basically creates another problem for her. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's... I did want to point out also that um, in order to go back into Army or whatever, Riley has his spy outfit on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He busts out the turtleneck and the leather jacket. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Goodbye, Mother. I'm going to Army. Yeah, it's very much like, well, got to put on my super spy outfit, yeah. <laughs> go on a covert mission. Yes. And isn't that the other guys of... are wearing berets. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that what he's wearing when he comes back in season six? He's like, again, like head to toe black turtleneck. Yeah. 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 Um, it is his like army outfit. Uh, 
But, and I will say, I'm glad that we get the episode we get in season six, because for me, it did make me like Riley more. It did. It was very redemptive for him. Yes. And I, yeah. it was great. I was like, we didn't need more of him. That one episode was like all I needed. So that way I felt in, in some way, like he matured and like him and Buffy also yeah. had an understanding for each other. I felt like, right. Yeah. That's like the most you can hope for with an ex. Like, oh, so we understand each other. Mm-hmm. No, like, I don't think she had hard feelings and seem like he did anymore. Like, I am glad that we do get that episode because I wouldn't have liked this character leaving on such a shitty note. And kind of, yeah. kind of like like Oz never does anything yeah. bad and then leaves on a shitty note. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so then Xander gives Anya his speech, which yes, I think is cute, but. I don't know. What do we? What do you guys think? I love Xander and Anya. So yeah, <laughs> like... yeah, I love it. Like, because I think yeah. up until then, so much of their relationship was like she chose him, she pursued him. He was like, well, okay, I guess. So I did like that. That was his realization of like, I care about this. I'm invested. I'm all in. Um, but it is hard watching now, knowing what he does. Later. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I do uh, I do uh, love that. I mean, Anya's my favorite. Besides Buffy, Anya is my favorite character. Yeah, so yeah. I like her to be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Very true. I, it made me like Xander more when he did that. Um, yeah. I always looked at him as aloof and just kind of like, oh, you're like shaggy yeah. to everybody. <laughs> but, yeah. but I like the fact that he put his heart out there and uh-huh. he realized he had at the time. But yeah, it was bittersweet when, you know, you move the next season yeah. on yeah. it was good yeah so yeah. yeah that was that was going to be my butt is that i do like this speech <laughs> but it's hard watching it knowing that he leaves her at the fucking altar yeah. yeah 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 which i still have narrative issues with i don't think that was justified that uh, you know but if there if was you can have me back on next season and <laughs> i will talk about that for an hour kirsten if there if like if you magically were like ian if you could change one thing about buffy the show what would it be? And it would literally be that. I would have had them get married yeah. and they would be the happy couple. That's the happy couple for the rest of the series for a season and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, remember there was, there was a quote at the time saying like happy couples aren't interesting. Whatever. Yeah. Like, like, I've been with my husband for 16 years. Okay. We're super boring, but other happy couples. <laughs> well, also like the show isn't all only about them. Right. Exactly. Make everyone else miserable. But like you look at what Parks and Rec did with um, yes. with Leslie and Ben, and they maintained that relationship. It was always a respectful, happy, healthy relationship, yes. and it was still interesting. Like I felt like that was I felt like it was the laziest narrative choice they made in the entirety of Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a but, lie that always been told over and over again is like happy couples are bad. Like comic books are the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just permanence. But a show like Parks and Rec definitely does prove, like, no, it's just a weird lie we've been telling ourselves so we can, like, not have to think hard about writing. Yeah, it's cheap <laughs> drama. Yeah. 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 And it's funny that you mentioned comic book because it makes me think about the whole Scott, Gene, Emma yeah. situation. Uh-huh. And how I hated Scott. Well, un- But then later I'm like, I understood why he did what he did. I also understood why Gene decided, well, you know, do what you need to do because yeah. I'm being- all of you right now so yeah so it, it makes me think about that it also makes me think about carrie big and aiden because <laughs> the episode just jumping totally out there if you never oh, watched yeah. that, there was an episode where big and aiden had that fallout something similar to like spike and riley where it was like they had a moment and then they kind of understood each other after that so 
it's it's interesting to see how these patterns go to other places. But I almost okay. I'm, I'm probably this is unpopular, but <laughs> I almost wanted Riley to to stay halfway more like a little bit longer. I know people want him to be out, but I just wanted to see how far we could have gone with him. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I go back and forth with that sometimes. Yeah, well, I think with Riley, the show could have, and this is I guess stuff we're probably more interested in pursuing nowadays. Uh, is there's a lot of real masculinity stuff. Yeah. With Riley and yeah. Buffy is a show more about like femininity and like a celebration of that. And so maybe there isn't really room for that. But I do think the fact that Riley's main problem with Buffy is you are horning in on my territory as a masculine provider. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen the show go like three more episodes after yeah. this with them actually trying to break down that stupid ma- masculinity bullshit that Riley is understandably very wrapped up in being like yeah. from Iowa in the armed forces. Like, yeah, that would have been a cool opportunity that the show never really traveled down and instead gave us a whole lot of really like diverse and nuanced takes on femininity and like female characters. So still did good stuff. I mean, I, yeah. I do. That's okay. So while I'm going to contradict what I said earlier, I do like that is one of the things they do with Anya mm-hmm. is that her and Xander break up and she doesn't leave. Like, she doesn't, she still lives in that town. Yeah. You know, I don't think they knew what to do with Anya at all in season seven until Mm -hmm. she's, like, living in the house and having funny scenes with Andrew. Um, (laughs) But I I liked the idea, because, you know, so often on shows, if this couple breaks up, whoever's the main character is the character that stays, and then the other one just goes away. But in real life, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, And I liked the idea of a couple breaking up and they're both they both still exist in the same space so they see each other it's awkward um i do i would have liked that for me if i could pick one person that i, I would have picked it with oz because yeah. his character seemed to lend itself more to like oh i mean granted not his last episode but the character we knew before that would have lent himself to oh i'm running into willow maybe he has this like cool punk rock girlfriend that willow feels super self-conscious about but Oz is still, like, cool and respectful. I would have liked that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I I do like Xander Siege, but like I said, the only and for me, the only but for me is that, but he leaves her at the altar next season. What is he doing? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I do, I agree. I think it's lazy to say that a happy couple isn't interesting because, and Buffy says it in the wedding episode, how they were her rock. And I think it's mm-hmm. good yeah. to have, like, okay, fine, you want everyone else to be miserable. Tara dies. Buffy's boyfriends all leave her and are terrible. But at least have, like, one happy couple. Yeah. Kirsten, are we there at the end? I think we are. We are. Great. Um, Did it. Favorite outfit. Victor? That, fi- that final scene, that outfit, the, the I want to say the mahogany coat, um, that whole look and her running in it and her hair, that was my favorite outfit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett? I mean, I'm going to go back to Willow's velvet corset, denim, <laughs> denim skirt, and weird purple tie-dyed, like, long sleeve thing. And that really caught my eye right at the beginning. Kirsten? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of turtleneck action going on. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sorry to see that gone. I really liked Anya's dress in the chicken foot episode. Mm-hmm. Anya's dress is really pretty and feminine, and I like it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go and agree with Victor, because I love her... Buffy in a long coat always does it for me. And when oh, running in a yeah. long coat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. coming made that her definitive look for me. Like the, the shot of her running around the corner and becoming 
becoming part one with like the that turquoise yeah. iridescent yeah. coat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffy in a trench coat. Always good. Yeah. 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 Always works for me. Uh, favorite scene, Kirsten. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Xander and Anya at the end. All right. All right. Victor. The same. Right. Brett. Uh, I like all of them just hanging out in the magic box. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giles, Anya, Xander, and Willow scene. Um, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Brett um, because Newly Human, Strangely Literal is like one of my favorite Buffy lines. Um, <laughs> I think it was like my header on MySpace when you could have like a quote on MySpace. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, now it's time to grade the episode. Brett, what grade do you give it? Oh, I mean, I would... I feel like talking about it for an hour has made me like it a lot more. I think this is a solid. The thing is with Buffy is hard. I would say a like a good B, like okay. a good B. Uh, <laughs> Only because Buffy hits such high highs, and an episode that is still as great as this is still like yeah, it's a B. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor, I would say A minus because there was a lot that. I could identify with of my own personal experiences where I, you know, have been as desperate as Riley or defiant as Buffy or as shady as Anya. So I will say <laughs> that this kind of showed a lot of things that I was like able to connect with myself in situations. So I will say a minus. All right. All right. Kirsten. Yeah. I'm going to go a minus too. I feel like this episode accomplished so much um, and really moved things forward in interesting ways. Like it, you know, it was very much a, like you said, a mid-season episode, and I feel like with what it was working with, it did a really good job. Oh my god, guys, I'm going to be the hardest grader. I'm never the hardest grader. <laughs> um, I give it, and I I say this with love, and I agree with everything everyone said. Um, Victor, I agree. Like, I saw myself in both sides. Like, I could, I sympathize, even sympathize with Riley at, at times when I thought he was being a total asshole. Um and I agree with you, Brett. Like, even the show with, like, their lowest lows are still really good. Um, yeah. But I give it a C plus. Only because there's just not enough happen. Like, there's so much talking, but there's not enough, like, happening for me. And that's probably, like, the lowest grade I'll give an episode this season, I think. Because I don't <laughs> think there's another episode. Um, and it's just a little too morose. It reminds me... And I, like I said, I love all of the, all the parts of the show, but it reminds me of a season six episode more than a season five. I can see that. So, so that's why I give it a C plus. Um, thank you, thank you, Victor and Brett for joining us, and thank you, Kirsten, for guest co-hosting with me. You are wonderful as always. Um, and if you want to follow SlayerFest98 on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at IanX. Carlos on all social media platforms. Kirsten, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at, at Kirsten White and on Instagram at, at author Kirsten White. And Victor, where can people find you? I am Wonderman5, that's two N's on Twitter, and his name is Victor on Instagram. And Brett, how about you? I am at Brett White everywhere and you can also read things i write on decider and listen to my podcast must have seen tv which will come back soon hopefully (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you guys so much and thank you everyone for listening bye bye